getting this felt experience of of in in the practice of I'm actually part of one thing that is all of everything. And the more that I show up in that hineni kind of way, without trying to push away what I do or don't like, with with an ability to expand and open my heart, the 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 closer I feel to that divine. Check one two one two. Is this thing working? You're listening to Rabbi Ariel Schulklapper, the wisdom and tools you need to thrive. We're here today. Yael is going to interview me back now. So, yes, <laughs> so it's my you. turn to be on the hot seat and be feel nervous <laughs> and and get excited to share a little bit. I'm I feel like uncomfortable in the hot seat. Now I know what everybody else feels like. <laughs> well, I'm I'm so grateful and I think a lot of other people are probably grateful too because uh I think you you know you've been now behind the interviewing microphone for now a number of sessions and I think I'm curious about you and sort of where you come to this work a little bit about how you got started. And so I wonder if maybe you can just kind of share with us your meditation, Jewish meditation origin story. Hmm. So thank you. Yeah. I'm, I actually like being able on the, on the receiving end more, you know, in terms of just learning more than the talking, because it's more comfortable for me. So thank you for doing this, pushing me a little bit out of my comfort zone. So my origin story here is I came by mistake. I I, uh, I think you mentioned it too, and it's, uh, some several people have found a flyer. You know, there was a flyer. It said spiritual. It said retreat, and I was in a particularly uh, interesting time in my Jewish ev- evolution when I came to the mindfulness aspect. So I had already spent several years kind of unfolding what I saw as a vision of, I want to have more Jewish connection. I want to have more connection to my practice and also intellectually, I love to learn. So that inspired me a lot. And then, and being in synagogue, I like that. I like to pray. I like to connect. And I was on my way to rabbinic school so I had made the decision in terms of crossroads. There had been several crossroads in my life where it was like, are you going to go to law school? Are you going to go to something else? You know, and and it was always, it was never like law school, rabbinic school. It was like, are you going to go to law school or are you going to go get an MBA? Or are you going to, you know, do something, are you going to do something useful <laughs> that that makes money, that is secure financially kind of a thing? And that, and sort of at every turn, I just kept going, well, not that. Like I took the LSAT and then I got into UCLA. I actually didn't go straight to uh, uh, UCLA out of, out of high school because I was kind of a screw, screwy kid. Like I was, I was a little bit of a, a wild, wild child. Um, and that just wasn't focused. I wasn't focused. Um, and I, I felt like, I went to a community college out of high school and then I worked my way to UCLA. And in that transition, I was like, oh, I'll take the LSAT. I'll go to law school. 
I'll prepare and my undergrad will be towards that. And I ended up sort of slowly shifting. No, I'll take one Jewish studies class. Oh, I'll take another history class. Oh, I'll take another Middle Eastern thing. Oh, I'll take, an, oh, I'll take this inter-religious studies class. And so I'll spend a little more time in the Hillel and slowly came to, to be more Jewish. But then when I was in Israel preparing for rabbinic school, I saw this flyer on the yeshiva wall in the seminary and it said retreat. And I was, I was, I was going through a tough, uh, spiritual, uh, emotional, uh, I don't know, probably psychological also time just having had responded to a, a bomb that was left outside of a bus stop uh, Binyanehuma in in Jerusalem, right outside of the bus stop, the 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 main bus station, and it sort of challenged me theologically in a way that I had never been quite before, and it also um, because I was so mad, I was so angry and scared, I didn't know what to do with it. I ch- I felt shut down finally, like it's it felt to the point where I just didn't know I needed to do something, and I didn't know what it was. And the therapist in the, at the time that they sent me to said like, oh, well, you know, it's not really the biggest bomb that ever was, you know. He was like, because, I, because you know, in the context of a place where there's been an intifada and there's, you know, been ongoing violence, that's a context where my, what I saw was not that bad, mm. right? Um, but for me, it was a big challenge because I felt really acutely the suffering in the moment of the people who I was helping of um, the people who of myself of the fear of whatever and it shut me down I went I I, I needed something I went on a retreat like we talked about before it didn't expect what it was and that kicked me off and you want to explain why you were helping at the bomb site so yeah I was volunteering I would I'd gone to Israel uh, actually, to to really tell that story, I have to go back to a, weird, a really eerie kind of weird premonition that I had in 2008. So this was 2011 that the bomb happened. But in 2008, I was in Jerusalem studying for to get to satisfy my UCLA uh, Jewish studies language thing. I'm a fluent Hebrew speaker. I didn't want to go to two years of Hebrew classes at UCLA. I said, let's just do it in Israel and knock it out in a summer. Mm-hmm. And while one day I was I was walking down the street and I I just got I got this like eerie feeling. Like almost a, it was almost like a dream unfolded in a mo- in the moment walking down the street. And I see this guy, like a construction worker, and I see him on the um tractor and I I could see, I connected eyes with him and I could see a fire in him and it flashed me forward to this premonition that like, oh my God, that guy could so easily take that tractor onto the road. And I didn't know what to do with it. Mm. And then two days later, tractor overturns bus, like right in that spot that I was, that I had walked by it might have even been the same guy. I don't know, but it was like, it felt, I didn't know. And in that moment, I felt like if I had even been there in the moment of the tractor, what could I have done to help? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not equipped. I'm not equipped to help these people. So I, I'm in my mind, I said to myself, first of all, it was, it was weird. And I still don't know what to do with that. 
but mm. but it was like I need to have the skills to be able to help my people should I be in a situation where they need my help. Mm. And so when I came back in 2011, the the goal was really clear. I'm going to go, I'm going to I'm going to learn how to be at the very least a first responder so that I can be there for my people if they need me in that way. Cuz I know myself, I'm I'm cool and calm and collected under pressure. Mm-hmm. I can think well, I can operate well. So I wanted to to maximize my skill and give back to this country that you know both my parents are Israeli. <clears throat> I'm an Israeli citizen. And I hadn't, I didn't fight in the army or do any of that kind of stuff. I grew up in the States. It doesn't make sense that I would fight in the army, but I felt like I wanted to give something, um, for my identity sake. Mm. Yeah. That was a long answer, but yeah. Well, I'm curious, have you had other kinds of premonitions like that? Is that a common thing or was that a unusual that was a weird one. That was a weird sort of scare. It was scary, actually, because the premonition itself was scary, mm-hmm. the scary moment. And then you kind of, you, it's, it was like, I wanted to erase it out of my, I wanted to wipe it away. Mm-hmm. You know, I was like, no, 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 no. Like, mm-hmm. okay, no, 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 no. You know, it comes in your mind, like a bad thought. You're like, no, 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 not that. Right. But then the next day it's in the news and it's like, whoa. Now what, you know, and then it, it, what am I supposed to, what was I supposed to do with that information? Call, who was I going to call? You know, like what was it? Maybe it was about this later time or, you know, kind of getting yourself back there. Maybe. Yeah. It felt, honestly, it felt in the moment of the bomb when I was walking through and it was this kind of like eerie, like time stopped quiet. Just imagine Jerusalem quiet. <laughs> it's like a weird thing, but you know they they didn't. Uh, even though the if you know Jerusalem, kind of the where the bus stop is is only maybe two minutes away from the Magendavid um, station hub. It's right there, mm. but it took. But like they don't let they they shut down the zone because they didn't want to they were worried about a secondary attack kind of a thing so they don't bring the ambulances in right away so i was there before they let the ambulances clear so mm-hmm. and you knew the second that they cleared them because the because you could hear the sirens coming they're not mm-hmm. that far it's a 2 minute you know drive 2 minute drive so uh it was interesting cuz there was like that quiet in that moment and i could feel like oh that's why Right. I'm here. I'm here. I'm trained. I'm not even just trained. I was all the way through the entire program. So I was not, I was no longer just like a, not that I was, you know, seasoned or anything, but I was good enough in terms of knowing what to look for because I had been on the ambulance every day for months already. Mm, mm. And my Hebrew was already conversant and I'd already been working with people and I'd already knew how to manner. I already knew when to put my gloves on and take them off and do all the things that I needed to do in that moment. Mm. So it almost felt like a full circle, like I had prepared. Yeah. And I was mad. (laughs) I was like, and why did this have to be kind of a thing? Like Mm. why? And that, that theological, um, it was a bigger theological challenge for me than anything because I was, I had come into that moment feeling like if I do, I was, I was in a kind of a negotiating theology i was like i'm gonna do 
the ashray. I'm going to say the prayers in the morning and I'm going to put my tefillin on like a good little boy. And I'm going to do, you know, and I'm going to pray and I'm going to become more observant and I'm going to do all these things. And then good will come in the world and there will be no suffering. And then I'm looking around in this bomb site and I'm like, that cannot be this. That cannot be so. Mm. Like it can't be so. Mm-hmm. It can't be so that these, that, that, a, 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 an, you know, an eight year old boy could have done something to deserve having his legs blown off. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't, can't, you know what I mean? Like, it's not because he didn't tie his shoes or he did, he did his thing. And that theologically, I, my theology that I was, I was sitting on was just, just shattered. So it was almost like the big turning point is a big turning point that, that particular moment. Yeah. And so you went on this retreat and both from the retreat and also, you know, I assume there were more retreats after that. So what shifted? What was that both theologically in your life? What was that process like? Yeah, so that retreat, the big the big uh, shift in that retreat was that I had, I was able to sort of like the practice you, uh, you taught with the Hineni practice and the way that you skill very skillfully brought in the, you know, the element of what am I, what don't I want to be there? What I do, what don't I, what do I wish was not? Mm-hmm. And can I, can I make space to allow that? Mm-hmm. And I think that previously I felt like I couldn't, I couldn't validate or acknowledge uh, a doubt about the divine or a doubt about the all powerful or whatever, this kind of platonic notion that we carry around of this God in the sky. That's also a man, by the way, which I don't know that we talked about, which I think is very harmful to all of us as a, as a feminism for all um, in terms of, you know, if you don't see yourself as in that image, then what does it do for you psychologically? And, for me, it was also beyond that. It was like getting this felt experience of, of in, in the practice of I'm actually part of one thing that is all of everything. And the more that I show up in that Hineni kind of way without trying to push away what I do or don't like with, with an ability to expand and open my heart the the closer I feel to that divine in myself, in other people. And, and that's the process of what I think that's what I feel like I'm doing in this is I'm, tr- I'm working every day in every practice and every uh, off the practice, in the practice, out of the practice, you know, as much more, actually more out of the practice than in the practice. You know, even if I, I said somebody, somebody today, they said, you know, I thought if I want to get good at meditation, <clears throat> my teacher told me you got to spend four hours a day meditating or something like that. And I was like, you know, but then even if you did spend four hours a day, there's still 20 more hours of every day where you would not be practicing, mm-hmm. practicing, right? Whatever that means, you'd not be meditating. So for me, it's also the off the meditation. And then it became for me such a life source of energy, of ability to uh, be resilient, of ability ability to look at uh, with new eyes at 
old texts in the Jewish practice to be able to look at the prayer book as something different than um, what I'd ever even fathomed. And as that kept deepening and deepening and deepening, and, and I also started learning the Buddhist side of of what the technology of the meditation is and how the, how the mind works mm-hmm. from that perspective, it started just folding together and together and together. And it's just, and, and that's how it's evolved. And for me, that's so nourishing in contrast to what I had been exposed to that mm-hmm. I never, I'd never even fathomed this was possible. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's like, how do I give this to Every person who wants it, every person who wants it and needs it, how do we, how do I help facilitate that for them? Do you, um, w- at what point did it shift from something you were like learning and participating into, like, I want to be teaching and sort of spreading the word? <laughs> oh, so it's a good question because it's not actually the way that you framed the question of like that I want to be teaching is an interesting way because I even in the beginning I was not because I wanted to be teaching. Mm. It was a shift because one of my uh one of my teachers put me in a he made it an impossible situation for me cuz he knows me and he was like uh Maybe I don't know exactly what point, but I'd been practicing for several years. I'd been uh, retreating a bunch and also learning off of retreat a bunch and actually doing practice pretty regularly in my day to day. You know, it takes time. It's a process. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, uh, this is Jeff Roth. And he said to me, you know, uh, you, you, um, you need to start uh, thinking about wh- how you're going to teach this. And I was, and I was like, uh, no, uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. I was like, you know, I, I, I meditate and it's part of my daily, you know, it's part of what, how, what I do to prepare for the day. And it's part of how I, I express my Judaism, but I can teach Judaism in the Judaism box and I can have this as my practice. And I, th- I think that, that it's okay that way. And he said, no, you're uh, that's selfish. Mm. <laughs> and I was like, huh? What do you yeah. mean? Come again? Selfish? <laughs> and he said, yeah, well, you, it's not that you ha- you know everything, but you have this spiritual wealth in your hand of something that is help- so helpful for you. For mm. you to not then transfer that to people who don't yet have it mm. is you disrupt, is you keeping it for yourself and disrupting the chain. Mm because it got to you and now it's your responsibility to give it to the next person. Not that you know everything, but other people may know less than you. Mm -hmm. So when he framed it that way, it took probably another few years from, for me to go from that point to really feeling like this is a, this needs to be in, in the Jewish world. I think that probably because like all of the work I had done from that point until now encountering what Judaism actually looks like for people in their lives, what they learned in religious school uh, or didn't learn or, and what the synagogue services look like and what the emphasis of the synagogue is institution and what we learn and how much we, and how much we're here and how little we're here in the heart. Mm. And it just came to me as like this, 
it just feel it feels now like if we don't do this teaching, Judaism will die for the next generation. Mm-hmm. And maybe not in the next generation, maybe it's in five generations. I don't know. But if we don't do something corrective now, there's not going to be a real compelling reason to keep doing this practice as it is. Mm. What it felt like to me. Mm. So for me, it's really a it's a mission. You know, it's a it's this is a rescue of what I think is a very beautiful, deep practice that has become. I think you might have even used the word ossified. You know, it's become. Um, it, it, we've put we've put it down in in like, oh here's the steps and here's the system and you tie your shoe like that and you pray on Saturday and you do this the other thing but we've we've forgotten that those are steps for this whole other thing which is how to pay attention and be and show up and do the right thing and check in and do the continual connecting. And and having a responsibility for other people beyond myself, beyond even my own generation, mm. right? So um, it's not just about tying my shoes, right? Maybe that'll be a helpful practice in keeping my mind focused. But if I'm doing it just for that, then there's no reason in three generations anybody should keep doing that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right? If it doesn't serve a higher purpose. Yeah. So it seems like what, what it there really is like a you you feel directly connected to the future of Judaism, like that there is like a, a something in you that cares that it survives yeah. and wants it to help people. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's why I became a rabbi. I think in part, but it's mm-hmm. you know it's something that I don't. It's not just that it's me, but it's my grandfather before me, and it's the grandfathers and grandfathers and mothers right and that's another way like of them having passed this really sacred rich tradition that i feel like is our inheritance is our birthright all of us to have Mm. not just jews by the way everybody Mm -hmm. to have this rich connection to all there is right Mm -hmm. to feel connected i think that that is and safe and 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 clear and wise and empowered i think that that for me is what i'm what i'm fighting for you know in some way mm. has it changed or been have you been changed by having a kid probably mm. yeah probably i felt it before though i wasn't i felt yeah i feel it more acutely probably i think like i see him and I'm like, oh, how do I do it? To, how do I help him? You know, mm. um, specifically. But it's also a bigger. It's a. It's even before he was around, I was already touring around and trying to, you know, teach people in whatever city. Never heard of what Jewish mindfulness is. That there's another way in. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know we're like wrapping up on time and we're I feel like there's we're just getting started yes. here. Yeah. <laughs> this I ask, is... Maybe I'll ask one last one and sure. wrap up. Um where do you see like what do you, what do you think for you personally like is the calling next? Like is the place you want to go or the thing that you're excited about exploring either through this podcast or in other in other ways? 
That's a good question. I'm, I think right now I, I see that there's a, there's the, the reason I'm doing this project particularly is because I see that there's, I have witnessed and heard about and, and with my own hurt, heard about and witnessed with my own eyes, the brilliance and the depth of, uh, of different souls and uh, who are who are showing up who are doing this work who are dedicated and have the depth of practice and um and uh having sharpened and cut their teeth on practicing already and which is a pro- it's all own process um and who are really able to impact the their little circles and i'm trying to connect us all mm. um and to highlight for people who encounter me and you know they like the idea but i'm not the guy necessarily you know that's going to lead them i want them to have a someone else you know and i want them to know about that there's someone else because not everybody needs to be a rav ariel guy you know or, or a gal or a person it's fine it's i i i want people to find the, the right place for them that's why I'm, i was like how do i get yell here you know i've heard amazing things how do I how do I open up the world for the people I encounter to walk the road with Yael if that would be helpful for them? Because mm. I know what I know without without having witnessed it exactly that there's something there, um, mm. and that's of tremendous benefit. And when we're all working together in those ways, then then we have the biggest chance of making that generational shift and having mm. that kind of impact not alone. So that's what I'm working on now is just is opening up the relationships and the networks and the and getting to know each other and seeing where each other's strengths are and learning from each other. Mm. Um and then there's always carpool, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so I know I know that carpool is also a very real aspect of life. Um and so our time uh is going to come to an end now for today. But thank you for for taking the time and for asking. I hope that we can keep doing that back and forth. Yeah, yeah thank you. It's really, really lovely to to begin to hear the story. Yeah, it's- I want to hear your own. Now you're gonna now now be prepared for me to ask you those same questions back. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just go on forever. <laughs> Maybe. It sounds great. Good. So thank you. And um, I hope that was beneficial for everybody listening. Uh, do you want to leave us with a prayer for our time, maybe? Uh, well, I think this is you. Can oh, you... it's my turn now. I'm on the hot seat. Because yeah, you're in the hot seat. Can you leave us? Leave us with prayer? My prayer for our time is that uh, that the whatever our the words that came out of our mouths and the intention of helping uh, actually be received and that if uh, these words touch the heart of somebody out there who really needed to hear them for their own path their own journey uh, that they can take that in and that they can heal with those words and intentions and that uh, for our own healing as well so that we can uh, be a little bit more whole in the world and uh, bring a little bit more healing and peace into our surroundings. So that's all I'll say. 
you can say amen if you're at home listening later, but, um, <laughs> or add whatever you want to it. So thank you. Thank you. To stay updated on new episodes, subscribe on iTunes or follow on Facebook.com slash Rabbi Shulk. That's Rabbi Shulk, R-A-B-B-I-S-H-O-L-K. Hey, so if you're really serious about this, come on down to RavAriel.com. That's www.ravariel.com. Take our free trial do the self-learn path or try group coaching or even come apply to work with me one-on-one and you'll give yourself the accountability and the support and the step-by-step path that you need to feel calmer, more mindful and happier with your life. So come on down www.ravariel.com. See you there.